You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. I welcome back to A Bigger Life. We looked at John 15 in the last episode, John 10, the episode before that. I've been talking about how a lot of what you read in the in the teachings of Jesus in the Gospel of John have highly imaginative language. It's language that appeals to our imagination. It's language that provides more than just information. There's something that it has that causes us to have this image of Jesus that captures our imagination, not in a way that we're making up reality, but in a way that helps us to see an unseen reality with the eyes of our heart, like Paul prays in Ephesians 1.18. That's what we see a lot of in the Gospel of John. And so these, these kinds of places are good to turn to when you want to pray through Scripture. Because, at least for me, what helps me when I pray is to have images in my mind that are helping me see an unseen reality and to connect with God through prayer, to connect with God by His Holy Spirit bringing his word into my heart, bringing his word to enlighten the eyes of my heart and to give me an imagination that captures a reality that right now I can't see. It's real, more real than most things I do see, but I can't see it. And so I need to use my imagination in a biblically guided way. That's what we have a lot of in John. And that's true in John 17. In John 17, we have this whole chapter that's a prayer of Jesus. It's the day before he's going to be betrayed and crucified. So this is a prayer he prays at the very end of his life. Now, if you're going to pray when you know it's the end of your life, that prayer is going to be a pretty important prayer. You're going to be praying now for things that are that really matter most. You're going to die. And so this last prayer is kind of a, now we see what was really closest to Jesus's heart. The, the reason why he came, what his purpose was, and what he's praying for in the life of his disciples. Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's praying to the Father. And that we'll, we'll, but one of the things that we'll see is that and it's, uh, Jesus is praying not just for his disciples, but he's praying for all of us. He says in this verse 20 that I'm not, I don't ask for these only, talking about his disciples, but for those who will believe in me through their word. So this is weird, but it's it's cool to think. It's a great image to have when you pray that when Jesus was praying this prayer in John 17, you were on the mind of God. You specifically were on the mind of God when Jesus prayed this prayer. Jesus was praying for you. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe in the Jesus of the scriptures, you were on God's mind when Jesus was praying this prayer. I don't know, it's kind of cool to think that I'm praying a prayer as I go through John 17. I'm praying a prayer that Jesus prayed for me. I mean, Jesus was literally praying for me in this prayer. And now I'm going to use that prayer to pray for me and to pray for whatever else God brings to my mind to pray. So Jesus, it says in verse 1, it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, that we, the words we just read in John 16, it says, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Jesus is beginning this prayer talking to the God, the Lord of heaven and earth, the God that created the entire universe. 
And as he's been doing all throughout the Gospels, he's calling him Father. And he wants us to call him Father as well. And here's the part that's, I think, kind of interesting is that Jesus doesn't bow his head and close his eyes. A lot of times we think that when we pray, we're supposed to bow our head and close our eyes. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But Jesus lifted his eyes toward heaven. It's not the only time in the Gospels where it talks about Jesus praying and him lifting up his head, lifting up his eyes toward heaven, because he's praying to a God that's there. He's not praying to a God that is sort of just in his mind. He's praying to a God that's right there. He lifts up his eyes. And I've been doing that for years. I sort of think about these verses and I think about, you know, when I pray, I want to lift up my eyes toward heaven when I can. Look at the stars, look at the sky, but have this transcendent view in front of me that God is a God who transcends just the merely horizontal. And I'm looking up, I'm looking vertical. I'm raising my eyes and raising my perspective of life to not just be horizontal and flat, but to be vertical and to see God as the overarching context of all my life. That's what Jesus is doing here in John 17. And he, he says something interesting, and this is going to be theological. And I don't, I don't want these times to be a Bible study. That's not, I, want to, I want it to be a time of meditation and prayer. But verse 2, he says something that I think is highly theological, but worth mentioning because it certainly is a part of this bigger story, this bigger life that we're trying to capture in these podcasts. And it says in verse 2, since you have given him, he's talking about himself in the third person, which Jesus does all the time. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. What Jesus is saying is that going all the way back to Genesis 1, when it says that God created humanity to have authority over all creation, to have authority over all life on earth, over all the earth, to rule, to exercise God's dominion over every living creature on earth, to to be in the image of God so we could be the image of God over creation and to have the authority of God as we, as we rule with God, as we continue to co-create with God. The, Jesus is saying that even though that's been lost in some sense in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve were exiled from the garden, the Bible teaches that Jesus is the true man, the true Adam. He is the Messiah. He is the rightful king God has come in human flesh. He's become a person. He was born into humanity to take back what was lost in Genesis 3, to bring Genesis 1, day 6 and 7, back into the human condition, back into the God's creation, back upon the earth. And so Jesus now, as the true human, the righteous human, is taking back what was lost. He is the true human who has now authority over all flesh. And this is the story that our life is in. When we are in Christ, we are restored to this position of being restored to the image of God, to have God's image to rule over his creation. This is the story of the kingdom of God. In some way, this is what we will do in the kingdom of God over the restored creation with a resurrected body just like Christ. And so he says, you have given authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. This is an eternal life, being brought into the kingdom of God, being brought back into what it means to be created in the image of God and to exercise God's rule and creativity and exercise God's image 
reflect God's glory, reflect God's love over all his creation. This is eternal life, Jesus says. This is the story our life is being brought into. So he says in verse 3, and this is eternal life, that they, those who are in him, those who believe in him, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Being brought into the narrative, being brought into the story is being restored to the Genesis 1 humanity in Jesus, and therefore it's being restored to the Genesis 2 relationship with God, that we would know God, the true God, and that we would know Jesus whom God has sent, that we would have this relationship with God that is to know him and him to know us. The forever God becomes our God forever. This is the story we read in the very last chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21, Revelation 22. He will be our God. We will be his people. He is the forever God that becomes my God forever. It says in verse 5, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So Jesus is saying that before he became human, he existed with God and had the glory of God with God the Father for eternity past. Now, we're not going to understand this. This is way beyond our ability to understand. Like I've said before, uh, Rick Warren has said that trying to understand God is like an ant trying to understand the Internet. We're not going to understand this oneness that Jesus is talking about before he became human. But he was has been forever God. He became human, so he's fully God, fully human, in order to take back what God wanted to give humanity in Genesis 1. So he is the, the full God and the full man. He's bringing us into this relationship with God, this glory of God forever as the true human so that we can have a relationship with the true God. And so he says in, in verse 8, For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. This is so important because, as I've said before, to walk with Jesus, you have to believe two things, and this is the first. You have to believe that the Bible is God's true word. That What Jesus is saying here is the very essence of what it means to have a relationship with God, to have eternal life, to live in the glory of God forever, to know him forever. The first thing that has to happen is that the words that he gave to his disciples become the words that we have, that we receive, that we come to know in truth that Jesus came from the Father, that Jesus came from God. And so Jesus says in verse 13, these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. In other words, Jesus says something very similar to what he said back in 15 verse 11 when he said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is the whole theme of Jesus saying that his words are bringing joy into our life. When we really, really understand the teaching of Jesus, when we really, really understand the Word of God, it, 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 its purpose is to bring joy, to restore joy into our heart. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. This is the purpose. If the Word of God is not bringing joy into your life, you're misunderstanding God's Word. 
because the purpose is to bring joy. Jesus says in verse 14, I have given them your word and the world hated them because if we're going to live by the word of God, there are going to be people who hate us. It's just going to happen. And so we have to be willing to be hated in order to believe the word of God. We're not looking to be hated. We don't want to be hated. We're going to do everything we can to have a gentle answer that turns away wrath. But but at, at some point, there are some who are going to hate us because we believe the Bible is the word of God and we want to live by it. We have to be willing to do that. And that's part of what it means to choose the glory of God over the glory of people's praise and approval. Verse 17, Jesus prays, sanctify them in truth. In other words, restore them, make them holy, bring, bring your glory into their life in truth. And Jesus says, your word is truth. God's word is truth. And he says in verse 20, this is interesting, but he says, I do not ask for these only. In other words, I'm not just asking for these disciples that are here only. I do not ask for these only. I'm not praying for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. There's the word again. All of us at some point or another believe in Jesus because of the word of the apostles that we read in the New Testament that we're reading right here in the Gospel of John, when John reflects back on Jesus' prayer here in John 17, we have come to faith in Jesus by the word that the apostles have given us. Again, that's the, the word that we have to believe is true. It's one of the most important things that we, that we have to believe if we're going to walk with Jesus, that the Bible is God's true word to us. And here's what's significant is that Jesus, like I said at the beginning of this time, is praying for us. I don't believe I don't I'm not praying for these only, but for those who will believe in me through their word. He's because God has known you before the foundation of the earth, and God knew that you would be a believer when Jesus was praying these words. When Jesus said that sentence, I'm praying for those who believe in me, who will believe in me through their word, you and I were on God's mind when Jesus was praying this prayer. I don't know, for, for, for some reason, it just kind of blows me away to think that way, that I'm praying right now a prayer that Jesus prayed for me and that God was thinking of me when Jesus prayed this prayer. I don't know, that's pretty cool. So Jesus says, and he prays in verse 11, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. There's a certain theme in this chapter, this prayer, that Jesus is constantly talking about the oneness of God. So Jesus says, the glory that I had with you before the world existed, this kind of oneness that Jesus has always had with the Father is something that he is talking about here now that he wants us to experience. The oneness that that we have, Jesus prays, that they may be brought into that oneness. And we're brought into that oneness by believing the words that he says to us. And so, remember back in John chapter 15, verse 3, when we were looking at that in our last episode, Jesus said that I, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. There's something about the word of God that is by the Holy Spirit that does something to us. It does something in us when we receive it as God's true word. And we sometimes just have to choose in our mind we're going to believe the words of Jesus. He rose from the dead. 
The apostles testified to his resurrection. They died for that witness. I'm going to believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and therefore I'm going to believe that what he says is true. And one of the things he says is that the words of the apostle are the words of Jesus. That's the word of God. And so here's what's really important is back in John chapter 6. I'm turning pages, and I think you can hear it, but that's the way it goes. It says that Jesus says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. I don't know if you believe that, but I think one of the most important things for you to believe is that the words that Jesus speaks are the Holy Spirit and they are life. They give life. They speak God's word into you. And, and therefore, the words of the apostles, because that's what Jesus is saying here, that they who will believe in me through their word as well, are of the Holy Spirit, and they speak life in us. And when that happens, it brings us into a oneness. When we believe that God sent the Son, we are brought into a oneness. We are brought into what Jesus says is keep them in your name. We're brought into the name of God. We're brought into the glory of God. We're brought into the Spirit of God. We're brought into the very essence of who God is. So Jesus prays in verse 21 that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. So this is getting really mystical. It's getting very mysterious. But the very essence of what it means to be a believer is to be in Christ and to have Christ in us and that we are in the Father and the Father is in us by the Holy Spirit and there is this in one another kind of oneness that we have with one another, therefore, and that we have with Jesus, that we have with the Father. We have all this oneness by the Holy Spirit. And this is not something we're going to understand, but it's kind of mysterious and it's mystical. And we have to believe that this oneness is the whole point. This is what eternal life, Jesus says, is that they may know me and that we may have this oneness with the Father and this oneness with the Son, just as the Father has oneness with the Son and the Son has oneness with the Father, that we would have this oneness with God. And this is what Jesus is praying for us. This is the reason why Jesus came. He says in verse 22, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. See, the more we believe that our glory is in this oneness with God, we don't have to go fight for our own glory. We don't have to try to get our own applause. We don't have to get our own approval from the world. But we get it from the very glory of God, the very glory of Christ in us by his Holy Spirit. So Jesus prays in verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus is going back to the very essence of his relationship with God the Father before the world even began. And he's saying that very oneness, that very relationship is one that he wants to bring us into, that we would be one with him and see his glory and be with him forever in the kingdom of God. This is eternal life, that they may know you, Jesus says. We would be brought into this glory forever, that we would be with him forever, and not just in his glory, but in his love, he says, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So that when Jesus says in verse 23 then, 
I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Here's the second thing we have to believe if we're going to walk with Jesus, not only the first one, that, that the Bible is God's true word, but also that, that God loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. That's what Jesus says here, that you loved them even as you loved me. That when we are in Christ and Christ is in us, we have this love of God for us just as much as the Father loves the Son. It's really important that you see God's love for you specifically, specifically for you. So that the last verse in this chapter says that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them brought into this oneness of love, this oneness of God's glory, this believing God's word is true so that we believe that God sent Jesus, that we have this faith in Jesus, and that we're brought into this eternal life, this eternal glory, this eternal oneness, and that we have this security because we believe Jesus' words are true, and we believe that his words are the Spirit, and they are life, and we believe that the words of the apostle are giving us his words and giving us the word of God that brings this kind of faith, that brings us into this kind of oneness, that restores us into this eternal life, and that we believe that God loves us specifically, powerfully, eternally, that the forever God is our God forever, and we have security in his love. This is what Jesus is praying in John 17. There's all kinds of imagery here for us to get. The main words, I think, that are repeated over and over is glory, one, oneness, and love, and word, that his word is true. All right, so let's take Jesus' prayer that he was praying for you and me, quite literally, and use this to pray for you and me, to pray to God, to connect with God, the same way Jesus is connecting with the Father. Uh, let's use this prayer. God, it's just, I just, it's so cool. This 2,000-year-old prayer that was prayed by Jesus, let's use this prayer and connect with God as our Father, connect with God by the Holy Spirit through this we're going to lift up our eyes just like Jesus did. Heavenly Father, we lift up our eyes to you. We lift up our eyes to see you as the overarching truth, the overarching glory over all of our life, over all creation, over all our circumstances, over everything in our past, over everything in our present, over everything in our future. You are the God who is and who was and who is to come. You are the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You are the God who lives forever and ever. You are the eternal one. And we lift up our eyes to you now, Father. And we grasp best we can by your Holy Spirit a reality that's incomprehensible, and that is that we are talking to the God who created this entire universe. We're talking to the God who has existed for eternity past, and we are talking to the God who exists as God forever, eternity forever. We are talking to the forever God who is our God forever. And we pray to you, 
We ask that you would give us eternal life, just as Jesus prays here, that to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, that we pray that you would give us to Jesus. Give me to Jesus. I know that I've already been given to Jesus, that you've already given me faith. You've already given me your Holy Spirit. These are things that I know are true or I wouldn't be wanting to pray to you right now. And yet it feels good to pray it, that you would give me to Jesus so that he would give me eternal life, the eternal life of knowing you as the only true God, knowing you as the only one worthy of my worship, the only one worthy of my trust, the only one worthy of my hope and my obedience, that I would follow you as my king, that I would know you, the only true God, and Jesus Messiah, whom you have sent, Jesus King, whom you have sent, Jesus, the one who takes back what was lost in Genesis 3 and brings back Genesis 1 in my life, that we would rule over all creation in your image and that we would know you and be with you forever in a oneness that existed in the Garden of Eden. And we pray, God, that you would bring us into your glory the glory that Jesus has had with you for eternity past, that you would bring me into that glory as well. Bring me into the oneness with you, the oneness by your Holy Spirit, the oneness with Jesus and you as my Father and the Holy Spirit and all those who believe through the message of your apostles that we would be one as you are one and that we would be this new humanity that you are creating upon the earth that you are going to raise from the dead when Jesus returns upon a renewed earth, and that I would be part of this new humanity, that I would know you, the only true God and Jesus Messiah, whom you have sent and that you have accomplished by his work that he came to do. And I pray that your word that you have given Jesus and that he has given us, that that word would bear fruit in my life that I would trust your word, that I would believe your word, that I would follow your word, and that your word would give spirit and give life to my life. Holy Father, I pray that you would keep me in your name. This name that is a picture I don't quite get, but something about your name as the I am. Something about your name as the seal that marks my life something about your name that is to be kept in and that I am in and that Jesus came and put his disciples in and that we are one even as you and Jesus are one. This name that we have been brought into, I pray, God, that you would keep me in your name, that hallowed would be your name, that I would bear your name with holiness, that I would bear your name faithfully, that I would bring you glory on earth by doing what you have created me to do. God, I believe that your word is truth, that your word is true, that you speak truly to me by your word, and I trust your word. I submit to your word, and I believe your word when you say that you love me just as much even as you love Jesus, that the love that the Father has toward the Son is the exact same love you have for me because I am in Christ and Christ is in me. 
I trust that you love me. I trust that your word is true. I trust that this narrative that Jesus is praying, this narrative of giving eternal life, that being brought into oneness with you, seeing your glory forever on a renewed earth, this oneness of reigning with Christ forever, this glory, this narrative that you give in your word is true, and that I am in your love forever. I am in the grip of Christ forever, and that nothing will be able to snatch me out of your hand. I stand in your love. I stand on the truth of your word, and you are worthy of my trust, and I trust in your love for me. God, I want to see your glory. Lord Jesus, I want to see your glory forever. I want to be with you where you are, to see your glory and to be one with you and to be one with God, to be one with the Father by oneness of the Holy Spirit and oneness with all others who are a new humanity in you, a new humanity in Christ, that I would live in your glory, that I would shine like the sun in the kingdom of my Father. I don't know all that that means, except that it has something to do with living in your glory and living in oneness with you and living in your love, that the forever God would be my God forever, secure forever, love forever, glory forever. that I would be the restored image of God forever, even now, because the Holy Spirit lives in me, that I would image God in my relationship with my family, that I would image God in my relationship with my wife, that I would image God as I relate to other people, that I would image God in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, that I would image God in self-control. These last words Jesus prays, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Oh God, that the love, this powerful, infinite love with which you have loved Jesus as your Son would be in me, this love would be in me, that you love me just as you love Jesus, and that this love would be in me, that I would love others with this love, this sacrificial love, this merciful love, this forgiving love, that I would love others with the love with which you have loved me, and that Jesus would be in me, that the love of Jesus would be in me, that I would be an emissary of Christ to others that I would love others with the love of Christ, love you as my Father with the love of Christ, that I would know you because that's what eternal life is, that I would know you and know Jesus as my King, that I would be brought into oneness with you, oneness with your glory, and oneness with your new humanity that you have created in Jesus Christ. This is the bigger story that my life is in. And I pray that you would strengthen me in it, that you would keep me in your name and protect me by your word and by your spirit and by your love. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.